Hello everybody this is Amba Vatil research assistant council for strategic and defense research new delhi and you are listening to the indo pacific voices podcast I am ASM Tariq Hassan I am working as research fellow at Bangladesh Institute of International and Strategic Studies and my area of work largely cover in the pacific and how small states are trying to navigating through the challenges geopolitical challenges that indo pacific projects discussing Bangladesh's Indo-Pacific outlook that was released in April 2023 so in this context i would want to know your thoughts on the timing and geopolitical significance of this development uh, that's a very interesting question if we look at the timing of the publication of the document we can see that uh, it was just on the eve of our prime minister's bangladesh's prime minister's visit to three nations that is us uh, japan and uk we all can remember that the formulation of this policy document i think started way before uh, i think it will be over the year that the document was kind of uh, prepared and developed and it was released just before the visit uh, it signals one thing uh, that is uh, we know that japan and the us and uk and many other its western allies have a vision regarding indo pacific uh they wanted to be open and free and there was a kind of external pressure on bangladesh regarding clarifying its position and kind of uh, clarifying its alignment regarding to the us china competition in the indo pacific region so that's the external pressure for you and internally the internal actors like political parties civil society within bangladesh within the bangladesh's polity they also had a curiosity regarding what will be bangladesh's position given the type of engagement bangladesh has with its major powers and also given bangladesh's foreign policy predict you know uh, the guideline that friendship to all and malice to none that drove bangladesh's attempt to prepare a document a policy document regarding its foreign relations uh, to kind of give a clarif- clarity to its position regarding the whole uh, engagement within this uh, great power rivalry in the indo pacific region to that note i also wanted to add that if you look at the you know the comp- the policy document that bangladesh published in april to the 2023 you will see that the name the name that was used for this policy document is uh, outlook uh, is not a strategy the vision or something it was outlook i think that was uh, you know intention by intention and by design uh, this was made an outlook rather than a strategy because i think that's the maneuvering space and the strategic autonomy that bangladesh wants to kind of protect and also it wants to protect its foreign policy principle that it followed since the 1971 uh, that is neutrality multilateralism and also keep away from the 
you know, great power politics. And the document itself, if you look at the structure of the document, the whole document is kind of projected towards development. It mentions its goal, development goal to achieve by 2041. And many people thought that it should uh, project a direction of Bangladesh. I mean, whether it will tilt towards US or China. I mean, what what about the security or uh, you know military competition or strategic competition in the in the Pacific region? Bangladesh tried to kind of make a balance uh, of that and tried to veer away from the strategic competition. Thank you for your interesting observations. I found this really uh, interesting how you bring out the uh, the linkages between the external pressures faced by Bangladesh and the internal drivers of Bangladesh's foreign policy uh, priorities. Moving on to the next question, I would want to request you to throw some light on how do you see do you see this as a tilt towards the U.S., a kind of uh, balancing as the U.S.-China power competition unfolds. If you look at the, I mean, the document itself, uh, it used the word rule-based, but it, unlike, you know, the Indo-Pacific strategies of the many nation, it used the term rule-based multilateral system. So it doesn't talk about uh, order, rather it talks about a system where countries of the region can contribute and they themselves actually uh, kind of grow this kind of system where multilateralism will be in eminence. I think that's a kind of balance that Bangladesh tried to make between US and China. If you look at the, you know, uh, the document itself, there is mention of uh, the, there is mention of uphold the exercise of freedom of navigation and overflight in accordance with international law and conventions that is unclosed and it was mentioned and that kind of uh, has a synonymous tone with the US again it doesn't the document itself is a it talks about inclusivity so it doesn't want to leave out a certain country or a certain power out of this region to have a vision about this region. So it talks about inclusiveness at the one hand. And on the other hand, it talks about international law and adherence to that international law when it comes to, you know, maritime space as well. So I think that's the balance Bangladesh made between China and the US within this document when it comes to maritime security, as well as, you know, including all the countries in the region, you know, notwithstanding their relations with the US or, you know, its Western allies. When we talk about Bangladesh's vision for the Indo-Pacific, what are the differences that you see or the similarities? So do we have points of convergence and divergence from the Indo-Pacific look of other countries or the Quad partners? A very interesting question, actually. Uh, often what we forget that all these countries in the Indo-Pacific region, and there are many narratives, there are diverse kind of perspective and how we look at things, there is a huge diversity in terms of our national interest, in terms of our civilization linkages and cultural relations, diplomatic relations, political relations. And often the narrative in the Indo-Pacific, the dominant narrative is the strategic competition between US and China. And when we look at the documents that has been published by, you know, many countries, they published a policy document. And I just, I just want to add another thing that this is the first policy document, most important policy document for Bangladesh after its constitution. I mean, in constitution, it talked about multilateralism and making a neutral posi position, neutral grounds. But this is the first 
foreign policy document in black and white that kind of give try to you know build a try to play a norm setting role for bangladesh i'll come into that discussion later again so going back to your question that all these documents that has been published by various nations i think they have their own kind of similarities and dissimilarities and that actually point out that all these countries they have although there might be some you know convergences when it comes to different issues but there are you know a lot of divergences as well for example if you look at the documents of the us france and canada they view china as an assertive actor on the other hand other countries and organization you know they actually avoid adopting such views for example if you look, look at south korea it calls for inclusiveness and that bangladesh does as well i mean both of these countries sees china as a key partner for achieving prosperity and peace in the indo pacific region because china is one of the biggest you know trading partner for bangladesh on the one hand on the other hand india is also biggest trading partner us is the single most biggest kind of market for bangladesh's rng export and eu as well again uh, the eu also states that is view in inclusive of all partners wishing to cooperate with it on the other hand asean calls for inclusiveness as well in terms of ideas and proposals so it pointed out that you know there are lots of diversity in terms of opinion how they are kind of perceiving indo pacific as a region if we look at a comparative approach towards these documents that gives us very interesting insight about how nations are kind of talking about i mean all these jargons like rule based order our equitable and sustainable development for example uh, bangladesh's policy document it talks about equitable and sustainable development document did not i mentioned that did not talk about rule based order rather a rule based multilateral system uh, rule based order was a kind of preferred terminology for the quad countries so this deliberate choice of wording reflects bangladesh's desire to adopt a neutral posture in this geopolitical landscape i would say bangladesh is indicating its preference for a more inclusive and open security architecture in the region that accommodated diverse interests and perspectives the bay of bengal region holds uh, immense uh, geostrategic and geoeconomic significance it also has very important uh, sea lanes of communication in this context what is the scope of cooperation when we talk about uh, maritime security in the region and upholding the exercise of freedom of navigation as uh, the indo pacific foreign policy outlook uh, highlights if you look at the littoral states of the bay of bengal region and also in the pacific region the southeast asia and south asia we are largely dependent on our sea line of communication for our export and import right and if you look at the choke points those are like vital kind of arteries of global trade so and the center of gravity has shifted towards indo pacific we all accept that and we also accept that there is a kind of multipolar world order we are transitioning to so these are the kind of systemic factors that will determine how these countries will behave in the days to come but uh, there is one dominant narrative that has been established within the indo-pacific region that there is a strategic competition between the us and china china and on the one hand and there is other actors at play for example india for example japan australia all these uh, countries so when this is the narrative that we are living with we also have to remember that the growth this uh, indo-pacific region has achieved in last two or three decades that has been achieved with a kind of relatively peaceful region under a 
liberal democratic order that was established by the US and China got benefited out of it. Southeast Asian countries got benefited out of it. All of us, right? We all got plugged in in the globalized economy and we tried to, you know, get the investment or FDIs from the Western countries to in this part of the world. And we use that and try to, you know, prosper ourselves. Now the question comes, the South China Sea situation that, you know, started to grow in the last decade. And then we have BRI, launching of BRI. And then we have a kind of competition between US and China. So now countries are worried that if there is like, you know, flashpoints and conflicts in this region, our trade will be hampered. Our prosperity will be hampered. And the conflict will come from Middle East to this region, maybe, you know, from Atlantic to this region. So that no one wants, right? So how to kind of uh, navigate through this? That's a very important question. And I think this IPO, this document kind of try to set a norm for the small states of this region, Indo-Pacific region. Why I'm saying so, if you look look at the configuration of the states, who already declared their kind of a policy document on Indo-Pacific, you will see that Bangladesh doesn't fit in that power structure if you look at the set of countries. So many people might be surprised that why Bangladesh needed to publish a document like that. I think one of the major reasons is to clarify his position that I mentioned again. I will I will try to mention again. To clarify his position regarding uh, the whole gamut of strategic competition that is going on, And there is a need for countries like Bangladesh to bring in a different kind of narrative other than the strategic competition in the region. Because if you do not get that kind of narrative in the forefront, what will happen? The competition will grow and grow and it might actually get out of hand. It can be escalated and it can be unmanageable. So I think for the sake of these small states and medium powers of this region, there is a need for a different kind of, you know, narrative, an alternative kind of narrative. So this paper or this document might be instrumental to set a kind of norm for all these countries to, you know, put the boundaries, set the boundaries. I mean, where we should have competition and where we should have cooperation. We should not get competition, you know, in that level, that the cooperation will be, you know, absolutely difficult and absolutely impossible. So that's number one. And now coming back to your maritime cooperation question, whether there is a possibility of maritime cooperation to maintain peace in this region, I think that will be very important to do. But to do that, I think first, uh, cooperation has to be made and engagement has to be, you know, achieved in softer areas, for example, areas like climate change. We all know that many of these countries in this region are vulnerable to climate change. Bangladesh is one of them, Maldives is one of them. And many of the landlocked countries trade actually depend on Indo-Pacific you know, region and the sea line of communication as well. You know, take, take for example, Afghanistan, Bhutan, Nepal, all these landlocked countries dependent on the sea line of communication as well. So it's not only us, the literal countries, the landlocked countries are also dependent on it. So what can we do? We can start from softer issues like climate change. We can start from issues like HADR, you know, disaster relief, and try to kind of bring an environment of cooperation rather than competition. If you talk about climate change, China and India actually cooperate in many aspects. They don't only compete. And China and India are the biggest trading partners with each other, right? So it's not like an 
at the same time, China and the U.S. they are like biggest trading partner. So it's not always competition. They are cooperating and they are trading with themselves, and that's the part of the globalization process that you know envision to make war you know uh, impossible for liberal countries and liberal economies. So I think that should be highlighted and that should be seen in the forefront, so that countries can under you know BIMSTEC under. Iora and different forum, regional forum, where countries can cooperate. So that is one thing. Another thing is, if you look at the non-traditional security threats, uh, for example, the piracy, for example, people, traf- you know, people trafficking, drugs, arms trade, illegal arms trade. All these things are hampering us. And if we look at the refugee situation around this part of our world, we know that Bangladesh is hosting more than one million Rohingya refugees in Bangladesh. So. There is a need for an agreement for countries to set the boundaries. Whether we will, you know, cooperate on these issues. I mean, how we can cooperate on these issues? Because when you are talking about a rule-based order, you need to. You cannot have a crisis like Rohingya crisis on our shore because it has its regional implications, and it might actually go out of hand of Bangladesh or any other regional partners and countries, and that might affect the whole regional. Security, so all these non-traditional security issues and all these question of energy security, renewable energy security, climate change, software issues needs to be consolidated in different regional forum, and we can start working on that. So when there will be consensus on these issues, we can work our way, you know, up with hard issues, you know, when it comes to maritime delimitation and all that. And if you look at South Asia, Bangladesh, Myanmar, and India is a great example. How we resolved our, you know, maritime uh, issues at the, you know, multilateral level. You make a very crucial point about uh, the need to bring regional and sub-regional perspectives from the uh, Indo-Pacific to the forefront. So, in this context, how can India and Bangladesh strengthen their existing partnership for a sustainable and prosperous Bay of Bengal region in the Indian Ocean? Uh, that's a very good question. I think Bangladesh and India is already working on our non-traditional security issues and cooperating. For example, I know that you know on counterterrorism issue, both Bangladesh and India share intelligence. That's one thing that we do, and there is also you know issues re- regarding development of the Indian Northeast. And Japan has a big plan. I think that's a very good plan to kind of develop Northeast at the same time. That will have positive impact for Bangladesh's south because you know Chitang port can be used, Paira can be used, so all these ports are open for businesses. And Bangladesh trying to develop its infrastructure so that it can be a connectivity hub for Southeast Asia and South Asia because we are the bridging country between Southeast Asia and South Asia. So in that aspect, Bangladesh and India can achieve you know uh, you know many things. For example, we all know that uh, we are listening to the term that. You know, uh, French shoring. We're listening to the term de-risking. How the businesses are kind of relocating to Southeast Asia and South Asia. I think that's a very important uh, potential that both of these countries can tap into, uh, because the finances. If you look at the global finances or the U.S. finances, particularly, are going towards Vietnam and Indonesia and many other Southeast Asian countries. In South Asia, we can use that finances. We can actually cooperate in terms of technology transfer. 
and knowledge advancement because Bangladesh wants to be a knowledge-based economy by 2041. And Bangladesh can cooperate with India because India has a huge knowledge base when it comes to IT and, you know, technological advancement. So with that, we can actually create a hub where all these finances which are relocating to Southeast Asia, we can tap into a portion of that and we can actually build a kind of technology-based industries around this region, you know, Indian Northeast and Bangladesh South. And that can be, you know, one of the benefits that we can tap into through the relocation of these finances. We all know that uh, there has been a kind of talk about global global supply chain resilience and how that can be achieved. And both countries can work on that as well. I mean, uh, Bangladesh depends hugely in terms of its uh, import from India. That's a very important thing for ensuring Bangladesh's food security. So there should be a regional framework to do that because with the Ukrainian war, Russia-Ukraine war going on, and the price hike that we are you know, experiencing in many parts of the world, that will be very important how we manage that. There, it will be also important how we can actually trade with our currencies. I and mean, there has been talk about currency swap and alternative trading arrangement. So that needs to be looked into as well. Thank you, Mr. Tarek. It was a pleasure hosting you today. And thank you all for tuning in. podcast belong to the speakers.